Good morning, my creepy friends. Welcome to Let Me Hear You Scream. I'm your host, LA. I have some exciting horror news for you today, and while I don't think there is anything to spoil, there is a spoiler alert in effect for this episode. I wanted to start off today talking about Megan. She is that evil doll AI mess that's coming out early next year. Uh, she blew up about two months ago online for a clip of her trailer where she's dancing before she goes off to kill someone, you know, as you do. The movie's set date is currently January 6th, 2023, yet according to Jason Blum and James Wan, there's already talks of a sequel happening. All of this was confirmed in a New York Times article featuring those two where they were talking about a merger between Blumhouse and Atomic Monster. They are apparently having the discussion with Universal Studios, who is apparently really pleased with how this first film turned out. It honestly makes sense that if they're all confident in how this movie turned out, and then, you know, they do have the free publicity from this meme, it makes sense that they might be prepared to greenlight a sequel. I mean, who wouldn't take that opportunity? And quite frankly, depending on how this first film turns out and if this supposed sequel happens and that also does well, it would not be a surprise if Chucky had some competition. While I don't think there's anything that can truly match Chucky, Megan is already giving him a run for his money with their little Twitter feud that keeps going back and forth between the two and it is very entertaining. It's also great publicity. And so it would be interesting to see what would happen if this iconic, long-standing killer doll franchise now had another doll franchise to truly compete with. The next segment I wanted to talk about is about a move. So I'm sure that if you have Netflix and you like horror, you have probably watched The Haunting of Hill House, The Haunting of Bly Manor, Midnight Mass, Midnight Club, one of those spectacular shows, with the exception of Midnight Mass. Well, that was all created by Trevor Macy and Mike Flanagan. Their production company, Intrepid Pictures, had a multi-year deal with Netflix, and that is coming to an end. So Intrepid Pictures has now found a new home with Amazon Studios. The duo is apparently really excited to continue making and producing groundbreaking content, and they're really excited to work with the entire Amazon team. Before the end of their Netflix deal, though, you do have The Fall of the House of Usher to look forward to. This is going to be a mini-series based off of an Edgar Allan Poe short story. Everyone has already been cast, and some people you can look forward to is Ruth Codd, who was a major breakout from Flanagan's Midnight Club, Kate Siegel, who is a giant Mike Flanagan alum. She has been in a lot of the stuff he has produced. One of my favorite actors, Rahul Kohli, is in it. And then the iconic, the iconic, Mark Hamill is going to be in it. Filming has already wrapped, so we could be expecting this show sooner than expected, but currently there is no release date out. Speaking of Mike Flanagan though, his most recent show, The Midnight Club, has been cancelled after one season. Though unlike most other cancelled shows, Mike Flanagan decided to do something unorthodox and he posted a Tumblr post on December 2nd that talks about what they had planned for season 2. If you haven't seen Midnight Club, it is a show set in the 90s following a group of kids, teenagers, with terminal illnesses. 
as they kind of go to this last stop home where they don't have to be on any meds and they can just be with each other and then pretty much die. Had season two been confirmed and happened, Spence would have made it out alive. So as I said, this show was set during the 90s and that was when a lot of advancements in HIV treatment happened. He would have gotten onto these treatments and it would have worked and he would get to leave at the end of season two. When it comes to the death, it isn't fully surprising, yet it still hurts. The first death would have been our dear sweet Amesh followed shortly after by Natsuki. Then eventually Kevin would die with Iyanka by his side and then Iyanka would pass shortly thereafter. Flanagan also revealed why Dr. Stanton had the tattoo and a bald head that was revealed at the end of season one. And it was a theory that at least for the tattoo that I personally had so I'm so glad that I was right. It was revealed that Dr. Stanton herself was the daughter of a say-so, which would make her Athena. And the bald head would have been because Stanton herself was going through chemo. Though, unlike most of our beloved main characters, she would get to go into remission. The last one who remains would be Sherry. She would be telling this whole story of the Midnight Club to a new group of kids and all of the characters that we had met and grown to love would now be the characters in the stories they tell kind of like what they were planning to do ruth cod played a character named anya who died in season one and she would have been brought back as a story time character so it's a parallel to that all of these characters would now be the characters in the stories but one of the cutest things in Flanagan's explanation, was on who the creepy couple were that Iyanka saw. She was plagued by these like visions of these two scary looking beings. And you know, all through season one, we kind of just like assume like almost like death coming to haunt her, but that's not the case. The couple was the owners of Brightcliff. They were the original owners. And it's a very cute story about, you know, a man just wanting a good life for his wife. And of course, because they were an older couple, there's only really one end that they could meet. But where it gets cute, besides just the adorable backstory, is that they would have also been Kevin and Iyanka in a past life. That is right, folks! Flanagan would have introduced past lives into this show. This would have been why Kevin and Iyanka thought the other was familiar when they met. This is why those two were the only ones who had these little flashbacks and saw Brightcliff in this different era. And when Iyanka dies, she would have had this revelation, these flashbacks. And, you know, she would be at peace knowing her and Kevin would find each other in the next life. And I think that is so adorable. Personally, I'm so sad that this show got cancelled. It was very cute. It wasn't up to the same level of horror as Flanagan's other work, but at the same time, it was blatantly a different demographic. Like, this was a show meant for teenagers and others who don't handle, like, horror as well. And it was still good, you know? I don't think people, like, took into account that it was a different demographic. The last segment I wanted to talk about is on comments that Melissa Barrera and Jenna Ortega made regarding Scream 6. 
Scream 6 is set to premiere March 10th, 2023. Jenna Ortega and Melissa Barrera, the two new stars from the fifth Scream movie that premiered this year, have said in interviews that this next one is going to be gorier than the previous one maybe even a hundred times gorier. This next film is going to follow the four remaining survivors from the last film, Barrera, who's playing Samantha, Ortega, who played Tara, Jasmine Savoy Brown, who played Mindy Meeks Martin, and Mason Gooding as Mindy's brother, Chad Meeks Martin. Uh, also set to come back is Courtney Cox as Gail Weathers, and a few others set to star in this next one. There is also a rumor that Hayden Panettiere is coming back as Kirby Reed. My issue is, though, is that just because a movie is gorier does not mean it is better. Especially when you look at the past Scream movies. You know, you had the first one where they opened up with Drew Barrymore's body being horrifically killed. Hung up like a tree. And then you look at something like Scream 4 where there was a lot of gore like one of the uh characters was gutted and i know that for a while scream 4 was heavily regarded as the worst one it still holds true in my book but so just because they had this extra level of gore which i personally really enjoyed didn't change the fact that it was also still kind of a weak script and plot i'm worried that with scream 6 that's going to be the case part of what barrera said was that with the last scream they were tiptoeing and trying to be very respectful of what the franchise had been up to that point and keeping their inner gory dreams at bay. I also find issue with this because you can easily make the previous Scream gory and a lot gorier than it was. There's no issue with that, especially because the level of gore I don't think ever really mattered when it came to the Scream franchise. And this quote kind of makes it seem like just because they had a success with the previous Scream film, they now can have free reign on where the Scream franchise will go, which I don't think is the smartest move because the people who like Scream like Scream and they are dead set on that. And so if you're saying you had to tiptoe and try to be very respectful of the franchise and now you're kind of just like, going all out, are you going to change what Scream is? Thank you so much for listening. I'm L.A. Tolman. This was Let Me Hear You Scream. I hope to hear from you next time. This podcast was produced, starred in, and written by L.A. Tolman. Sound effects are by Sound Effects Plus and Mix Kit.